Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Welcome, everyone, to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm excited to be back in the studio after a little summer break. Now, a few weeks ago, we had Diane Goodman of Goodman Speakers Bureau doing a master's class for our school, and we talked about who had transitioned really well into virtual, and this name, Mark Schulman, kept coming up. And so I invited Mark to come on the Wealthy Speaker Show, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, Mark. I am honored to be here, especially <laughs> if Diane recommends it because I adore <laughs> Diane and we're good we, friends. I think we are both members of that club. She is an yeah. absolute sweetheart and she was just so giving to our master's class. Absolutely loved working with her. Now, there are a million questions I have for you, but before, of course, tell everybody what it is that you do because you have a pretty cool bio. Uh, well, I'm the current drummer for Pink, and I have had a lot of success as a, uh, a drummer for some of the greatest artists on the planet, Billy Idol, Simple Minds, Cheryl Crow, Stevie Nicks, Foreigner, Richard Marks, Dave Koz, and there's more than I'm. Tina Turner, Beyonce, I've played with so many darn people. I'm so grateful and so fortunate to have been able to have, have had sort of co-created that career with the universe and uh, my tenacity. <laughs> yeah. um, and then what I did is I realized very early on that I also had value as a communicator. My parents are both professors. I give them all the credit. I was born with a teaching gene. Mm -hmm. I used to do drum clinics. So I would speak to musicians and I found the musicians were resonating a lot more with the success coaching and the storytelling than they were just the chops. And I realized, well, maybe I have a bit of a gift for communicating outside of simply just drumming components, because I realized that the key to my success wasn't just about the playing. You need to be able to play, but there's mm -hmm. so much more than that. It's really all the in-between-the-line stuff, I call it. So after doing years and years in a thousand drum clinics, I finally realized, you know, I could take this information I could leverage all of my experience and my knowledge, and I've always studied philosophy, and I've always really taken into strong consideration mental and spiritual components of what you do and how that applies to your success. And I even thought about writing a book, which I eventually wrote about five or six years ago, my first book, Conquering Life Stage Fight, Three Steps to Top Performance. But it was in the 2000s that I thought, you know, if I sort of take everything I was, I was doing with the drum clinics and refine it so it has content relevance to the collegiate market, the corporate market, I might have something here. And as it turns out, I did. But I worked very, very hard to transition over. I'd already, I already have like, you know, my way more than Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours on stage. So I'm comfortable yes. on stage. But then transitioning and you know i studied with two speaking coaches an acting coach a director realizing that that if i'm going to really take this seriously that i need to up my game as far as my ability to get on stage because we're on stage as speakers as you know we're up there for an hour by ourselves i mean i've been hiding behind a drum set for 30 years now right that's easy it's easy <laughs> if i'm playing behind pink because everybody's looking at pink when right. i'm up there i it's my job to entertain 
engage, and inform. And really, really do it at the highest level possible. So I knew that I would need to take that very, very seriously, take the content very seriously, take the every nuance about from my body language to my inflection, to how I pause, to where I move, to what I say, to every nuance about the content and how it applies and making sure that I do my due diligence and find out as much as I can about the client. I might have one conference call. I might have five if I need it. I will learn. I just want to know as much as I can because I am there to be of service. Early on, I realized that I am there to be of service as a drummer. I'm there to be of service to Pink, to the audience, to the other band members. And when I'm up there and it's just me, that is a whole other level of concentration, of commitment. And so I took it very, very seriously, and I still do. I have as much fun as I possibly can. I'm not exactly a serious man, but I'm a man that's willing to do the work. And then I'm also a gutsy man because I started just, when I realized that this is really what I want to do, and I want to do this, I mean, as part of my career, I have my drumming career, which is fantastic. I'm also a studio owner, a music producer. When I decided I really wanted to take speaking very, very seriously and have an enormous amount of success, and I wanted to be one of the best of the best, my goal is I wanted to just, I wanted to be the people that I admired, you know, like the rock stars and people I admired. Now, my new rock stars were all the great speakers. Right. So I studied everybody from, you know, Mark Schoenbach, uh, Dan Thurman. Well, just all the greatest speakers. I could name, you know, 25 people that I, that I, to me, I just, I, I just look at them and now they're my friends. Yeah. So now I feel like I'm friends and I'm learning so much. And now I've even been able to give some of them gigs because when I was out on the road with Pink, I had to actually cancel some gigs. Right. So I was able to give Mike Rayburn or, 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 you know, promote Mike Rayburn and promote Dan Thurman and, and promote Tim Gard and promote, um, so you're NSA. Some of my friends. I love it. I want to. I want. I, I, I want to get my CSP. I just haven't even really <laughs> focused on it. I think that I qualify for it by this point. Probably but my do. point. My point is that I took what I do and I realized that rock and roll is a great metaphor for top performance because mm -hmm. we're all performers. And you know, at, the, at first, I got to say, I thought about the, the concept of the rock star. I thought, oh my God, that's ad nauseum. Everybody's talking about rock star this, rock star that. And I woke up one day and I thought, you know what? I really am kind of a rock star. I mean, you I don't think of myself e egotistically that way, but yeah. I believe that I have that experience. So I can use that because I have that stage experience. And I just parlayed it into this, you know, I'm very proud to say, you know, last year I toured with Pink for six months and mm -hmm. did 40 speaking gigs while on the road with Pink for six months. Whoa. I mean, That's my original impressive. goal, yeah, my original goal was to speak 50 times a year. This year, if COVID didn't hit, I probably wouldn't have spoke 90 times. Yeah. I, in, the, in, in, in the month of March and April alone, I had 19 gigs that I needed to postpone or cancel. And this was a real, <laughs> I know that we're all quite challenged by COVID. This oh, was a real sure. shocker. And I want to talk about how you made that transition. But before we go there, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. First of all, even if you're a celebrity, I really want people to hear that, guess what? You need to be good. You probably know I used to represent a boxer named Sugar Ray Leonard. And uh -huh. even though he had that level of celebrity, 
we challenged him to be good on the platform and he became his story was excellent and he became a really good speaker and i think people were surprised by that because you're not expecting that much from someone with that level of celebrity being an la boy you guys probably know each other but i would love um, to be actually i'd love to interview him for my next book so we'll talk about we'll that. call him up <laughs> He's a really, really nice guy. But the second piece, so if it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or if you're someone who's on the speaking circuit, yeah. good is definitely, good isn't good enough. We have to really strive for excellence. And I love that you said that. And, yeah. and that even you would say that because when you're a celebrity, some things can slide. And I'm glad that you're not letting that happen. The second thing is, I'd like to know the difference. So I used to, um, I have a good friend who was on the comedy tour, George Campbell, years and years, spent years in the clubs doing comedy. And when he came into speaking, he was absolutely shocked. I think for the most part, it, it came down to what he got paid versus the, the uh, comedy industry. Tell me what surprised you or what the differences are between music and the speaking industry? Well, for me, it's a very, very big difference because I'm not the lead singer. I'm right. not the artist. Right. So even when we talk about celebrity, I don't look at myself as a celebrity. I look at myself as one who supports and is of service to celebrities. But to my clients, I'm a celebrity drummer. So the idea is that I play the celebrity role, so to speak. Right. But my goal is to be is the experience of Mark Schulman to be the greatest experience they've ever had. So I am I want to be the antithesis of the rock star when it comes to the I, I tell them like the moment I get off the plane till the moment I get back on the plane, I am yours. I will do whatever you want. The line for op, for autographs and photos takes longer than my speech. But I want to address your, your original. I don't want to get too off too far off. So for me, it was a very big transition. As I said, I inherited, the, I inherited the teaching gene from my parents. Right. So I had already had experience. I started teaching drums when I was 19. My mom gave me my own class. I used to tutor grammar and composition. My mother was a, ran the tutorial center at a college. And she illegally gave me my own class to teach because she realized, I think I can get Mark up in front of a class. But where I learned the chops was when I did the drumming clinics because I realized I can get up in front of people mm -hmm. and be able to tell a story that makes sense that has a reason to be told. Still to this day, I get so many calls by so many people in the industry, everybody from A&R people to other musicians say, I want to speak. But what they don't realize is there is so much else that goes into it because a lot right. of musicians are used to getting up and doing clinics and telling stories, which is great. But your story needs to have relevance needs to have continuity and needs to really be able to relate to this specific corporate audience. Mm -hmm. If I'm talking to whether it's a group of IT people or salespeople or a executive summit or entrepreneurs or the general, basically everybody that works there. And I mean, I've got have the greatest clients on the planet from American Express to Dell to IBM to Microsoft, I mean, I've spoken to some real heavies, to, you know, 5,000 people at Amway. To me, the bigger the audience, the better, <laughs> the smaller. <laughs> Again, there's a couple things that I think. Right before I go on stage, I think about, uh, one is that I want to love the audience. I really believe that I am there to be of service. So whether I'm a rock star or not, 
I'm a rock star in presentation, but not a rock star in how I really am so committed to changing everybody's life. You know, if you don't get on stage to change their life, to give them information, the immediate takeaways that they can walk away with right then, challenge them to action steps immediately, engage them immediately so they're a part of it. My, I want people to walk away from my speech not, not thinking, wow, wasn't Mark great? I want them to feel better about themselves. My whole thing is I use the rock star metaphor so they can tap into their inner rock star. So for me, it's all about how much service and how much value can I provide? And if you look at it that way, then you will do anything you can do. I'm always reading, always listening, always upgrading. I mean, you know, that's why Diane and I are such close friends because she knows that if she gets me on the call with a client, that I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, really want to give this client every bit of my soul. And they get that and they know that. And I am that committed because the more I give, the more joy I get out of what I get back from the audience. And even when I'm giving the virtual presentations, I read, you know, my, my manager, Arnold, records the chats. So I have screenshots of all the chats so I can see how people are responding to what I say when I say it. So I can then go back and analyze and look at every detail and every nuance. I really care. If you care and you really, really want to be of service and you'll go out of your way to do whatever research you can, then you can have success. But you need to understand it's not about you. It's about them. So talk about virtual in terms of, all right, so it's the beginning of March. Did you have a tour plan for this year? No, I didn't have a tour plan. I just had mega speaking gigs. Fortunately, okay. this was our, uh, we had just toured for two years straight. So okay, that so I didn't lose. <laughs> okay. I lost, you know, an abundance of speaking gigs. I have $25,000 in airline credit right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, like, like a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people are in the same boat and okay, here's the absolute truth. I believe we're in a crisis. We're not in, in anything that any of us has ever experienced before, but I also believe that the, at the foundation of this crisis is how do we manage change? And there are only two ways to manage change. You either embrace it or you resist it. Now I will tell you at the very beginning, I am so interactive. I play drums live. I do so much stuff. I thought, there's no way in hell I could ever emulate this virtually. So at first I was resisting it. I was that guy. Yes. Then I you woke know, up in the morning. What? You were not alone yeah. in that, Mark. I'm pretty sure that most everybody thought, well, I can't do this without a live audience. There's no way it's yeah. going to be even remotely the same, right? Yeah. But I especially, because I am an edutainment speaker and mm -hmm. I bring people on stage to play drums and I play, it's, it's so much performance and so much yeah. interaction. I resisted. Then I woke up one morning and I said, why don't you shut the hell up? What story are you telling yourself? Why don't you just create the coolest virtual presentation you can? So yes. I went out of my way to research it and create the most interactive, the most fun. I recorded all the drums. The only thing I don't do live is I pre-record the drums, but I've got my 13 foot green screen with all the, with all of the, all this, this background that you see right now, all the footage. So I still create the experience. So what, and I'm still, 
interacting with them. I still have them clap. I still have everybody, you know, say, yeah, if you agree with me, I treat them like they are there. And I tell them at the beginning and I say, look, my presentation is interactive. The more you engage, the more fun you're going to have and the more you're going to get out of it. So for those of you that are willing to engage, stand up right now, shake it out. And then I actually have six <laughs> versions of myself all dressed up, all in character to help them. And then because we can't sync things up in Zoom, so I know that the sync is going to be different. So I pre-recorded myself as the audience because I couldn't get enough footage of an actual audience of mine because I didn't have the footage. So now I have help allowing them and endorsing them and making it okay for them to stand up in front of their computer and clap and, and I have fun. It. I bet they're not doing that very much, Mark. I think that's fantastic. And we're going to put a link to your video and some other screenshots from you over on our show notes page, which you can find at speakerlauncher.com. Just click on the podcast right. there and see it. Yeah. Uh, we'll give them lots of goodies for them to actually experience this live. Now, yeah. do you see the the Tony Robbins video that he did with the curved screens around him with the thousands of people looking at him. No. Did you see that? No. Oh my God. Well, they're kind of doing the same thing on America's Got Talent now. Yeah. And they did yeah. it on the uh, MTV Media, Video Music Awards. And yeah. so it's becoming, you know, I think that now, okay, so before your mindset was, this is never going to work. And then you switched it up. And I'm just such a big believer in mindset. It's whatever we tell ourselves is our reality, yeah. right? So you switched it up and you said, darn it, I'm going to do, you probably used bigger language than that because you're a rock star, but uh, I'm going to do the best. I'm going to do the best virtual performance possible. And then you figured it all out. You did it just like you did the speaking business. You took it very seriously and studied what was going to work. And bam, you've got an amazing presentation. And so you're raising the bar in terms of what professional speakers are doing. And now we see other things that are happening. And I don't think, Mark, that this is going to go away because it's gotten so good. What, what, what do you think about that? Well, I can't agree with you more. I think that I call it the new frontier. I think that a couple things are going to happen. One is the virtual presentations are always going to be an option. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple reasons why. You could do them quickly, you can do yeah. them cheaply, and you can get to everybody right away if you're not going to do a convention. I also am a, an eternal optimist, but I do believe that when the vaccine comes in, people are going to be clamoring to do as many conventions and go to as many concerts as they can because they've been cooped up for a year. I'm going to miss it. I mean, people are already, I think right now, you know, we're kind of reaching a point where a lot of people are having a very hard time mentally just because they've been cooped up for so long, right? And yeah. so we're going to have a whole host of problems that come from that. What do you think about live concerts? I mean, I'm starting to see them come. Uh, we just drove by one the other night where it's a drive-in movie theater. Yeah. going to do a concert and everybody's sitting in the beds of their trucks. This is out in the farmland. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is the coolest thing. I just am dying to go to a concert in whatever form. When do you think concerts like for real concerts the old school kind that we were doing six months ago when do you think those will come back well that's the billion dollar question that i can't answer yeah i think that we're emulating the best we can we're having drive-in concerts yeah. 
were having, I know that in one of the foreign countries, like in Hungary, they had this huge high rise hotel where they had a courtyard and they allowed four people per person on each balcony. balcony. The, cha oh, the, balcony. Challenge, the challenge with that is there's no money to be made. If you're used to paying for 10 to 20,000 people and you're playing for a thousand, right. it's fun and it's nice and it's beautiful, but that doesn't sustain an industry. Yeah. So and the industry has got to be just, it's, it's yeah. It's like right the conventions now. industry. It will, when it comes back, it will come mm -hmm. back. Well, people will be competing for dates. It will come back furiously and immensely and wonderfully when it will come back, that's the same question we're all asking about all businesses and all conventions. The music industry and the convention industry are the same mm -hmm. as far as how we're going to be able to navigate it. As soon as it really is safe, well, I mean, the, the difference being that you can go to outdoor concerts, it might be considered a little more safe. Mm -hmm. So they might give a little bit more artistic license, <laughs> for lack right. of a better term, <laughs> yeah. to being able to do outdoor concerts. But I got to tell you, Nobody wants liability. Companies don't. Yeah. Promoters don't. So nobody is going to actually rush into it, I think, until they're ready to do it. But personally, I believe we're very close to a vaccine. I don't think anybody's going to talk about how close we are until it's actually ready because they don't want to be stupid either. But right, there's right. going to be so much money in whoever finds the vaccine that it's yeah. going to come out damn soon. If the hotels, uh, the venues, and all the companies can hang on, I actually think yeah. there's going to be quite the backlog. I've had oh, a lot yeah. of clients right now who are booking a ton into 2021, 2021. And oh, yeah. Yeah, so I think everybody's going to have a really good year, but it, it's the weaker companies that are going to be in trouble. Okay, I want to switch back to music here for a second. Yeah. You have been behind some really cool women pink did you drum for destiny's child did i read that somewhere i i, I performed live on television with destiny's child okay. like i did with beyonce i didn't tour with either of them all right but i did perform with them on tv and what about shared share i was with on and off for 20 years okay <laughs> so what i'd like to know what is it about powerful women, strong, powerful women with one name that you're especially drawn to. Like, tell me what it is like. What would we not know? She calls you a name. Pink calls you a name. What is that? Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> so she calls you Disneyland. And what is it like? What would we not know? First of all, is her and her family okay? I mean, I know that they got struck down with coronavirus very early on, and her little boy was, uh, it was a rough go there for a while, right? Yeah, is yeah. everybody healthy uh, yeah. and your band and all your bandmates? Is everybody okay now? Everybody's okay. You know, we didn't even know she had COVID until she announced it publicly. She kept it so secret that I knew when you knew. Her wow. little boy um, was sick for a long time. Everybody's fine now. She's doing okay. great. The, the, here's probably the, the the most surprising element of playing with somebody that has a devout fan base, like all these amazing women, Pink, Cher, I mean, Stevie Nicks, they have fans that would, fans that do follow them around the world and go to a hundred concerts. And I don't even know how these people afford to do it. Yeah. But the, one of the most surprising things that I tell, and, I, and, I, and this is one of the things I, as an example, I would say to the IT people, the mm -hmm. IT people are behind the scenes. They don't get the credit. They don't get noticed. Right. So sometimes I'll say something like this. I'll go, 
Imagine being on the stage in front of 50,000 people and not one set of eyes is looking at you. <laughs> Why should they look at me? I'm in literally called the drums, the bass, the guitar are the back line. I yeah. am there to be in support of, of the shiny brand in front, pink. That's right. who I'm there to support. They look at me sometimes. I get plenty of attention. Pink features me. She features everybody. But the bottom line is I am there to be of service to the artist, the brand. And people think that I'm on stage and they think I'm getting all this attention and all this adulation. The truth is that I am just the same as an IT person who's behind the scenes supporting the sales staff, supporting the, mm -hmm. the product, the brand. Because it's not about me. It's about what can I do to be of service to her, to make her life easy. Everything is about how to make her life easier, to make her look better, to yeah. make her more comfortable. We have 225 people on the road. Every single person is vitally important. We're just as important as everybody else. You know, the, the, the girl that's responsible for putting the water on stage for pink is just as important to me because if that water isn't on stage and she runs back and she's dying of thirst because she's just done two aerial stunts and that water's not there, who wow. do you think is the most important person to pink at that moment? It's the girl that put the water on stage. So we are all critically important and we're all very egoless about it. If you have a big ego on these tours now, that doesn't work anymore. Well, let's talk it's, about it's that not, for a second. It's not, sex, it's not sex and drugs and rock and roll. It's yoga, kombucha, <laughs> and childcare, you know? <laughs> okay, see, that's, that's, I love that. Talk about how even when you are the center of attention and you're speaking for 5,000 people for, say, a direct selling company, and I'm thinking right. you are going to Amway, be yeah. doing lots of direct selling companies. Yeah. Then, okay, so you're standing and it's glory, 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 5,000 people. What is the thing that brings you back down to earth like immediately? For someone with a small child, it might be changing a poopy diaper. <laughs> what would be the thing that kind of puts your ego in check and takes you right back to balance? What's the thing well, when you go home? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I never let my ego get that far out of check because I told you I'm there to be of service. My thing is I listen. And I love the audience. So I'm not there for me. I'm there for them. And I may know that. And that's my commitment. I have a 10-year-old daughter, a beautiful wife. You know, the first thing that happens when I'm done with a presentation isn't, how did your presentation go, honey? It's like, how was school, baby? How was your writing to my wife? How was the, the martial arts thing? You know, I'm a dad. I'm a dad yeah. first. Pink is a mom first. Ten-year-olds are not easy to impress. Else. Uh, they, they, they sometimes think you're not very cool, the 10-year-olds, hey? <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, absolutely. It's not about that. I mean, they don't, they don't really, it's not about what I do yeah. so much. It's about how supportive and how good of a dad I am. So yeah, exactly. that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always going to be. Yeah, and, I have a 13-year-old grandson, and he does not care that I've written five books or any of this. Right. That might be attached to my resume. He really is not impressed by any of it. Well, I'm impressed you've written five books. So let's put it that <laughs> I didn't know you'd written five books. I it's should have done more due diligence. I'm, I'm working on number five right now, Mark. So it's, yeah. uh, it's coming out soon. It's about scaling your speaking business. That's awesome. So, okay, you grew up in Hollywood and you have- No, your... I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. It's oh, sorry. I, I meant to say you grew up in LA. <laughs> yeah, right. And you have but your growing own up in the San... 
Growing up as a Valley boy is very different than growing up and going to Hollywood High. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. But your music studio is in Venice, is that right? Yes. And so are you indeed living the dream? Like, uh, I mean, is there not a lot of people who would kill to do what you're doing? I think that I'm incredibly fortunate and a lot of people would love to be in the position that I'm in because I've managed to create two very successful careers that I've worked my ass off. I've been one, I feel, but again, I count my blessings in the morning. First thing I do is smile, because I know that when you smile, you are literally changing your physiology. You are activating hundreds of muscles in your, in your mouth, in your face, that actually send a signal to your body to raise the energy of your body and send endorphins to your brain. Then I think of three people or things that I'm grateful for, then I immediately get my body moving and I work out. I mean, I'm just the dude that, you know, that in his 50s and wants to stay healthy. I, I plan on being a centurion. So mm-hmm. I, I got a 10-year-old. I want to see my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I plan on being around for a while. I take care of my body. And I try to keep up on my craft. I always have and always will. And mm-hmm. I, my gratitude, you know, my... my my flagship program is on the power of gratitude, on the power of attitude. Mm. Um, it's called, you know, uh, hacking the rock star attitude. And it's yeah. based on a triad of A times B equals C, attitude times behavior equals consequence. We know we cannot control what happens to us. It's out of our control, as evidenced by this crazy world we live in. But we mm. always have the power to change shift or control our attitudes about what happens to us, which gives us enormous power. Now, our attitudes are our point of view. I call it your vantage point or your disadvantage point, depending upon the attitude you choose. And it's not what we look at, it's what we see and perceive that matters. An attitude is so powerful because the way we see ourselves and the lens through which we view the world is based on the stories we tell ourselves, which is based on the attitudes we choose. And the fascinating thing is most of the stories we tell ourselves, we formulated when we were four to six years old. So most of the decisions we make as adults are based on stories we told ourselves when we were kids and the meaning we attach to people, places, and circumstances. So if your story is a comedy, you're rocking. If it's a (laughs) melodrama or it's a, God forbid, a murder mystery, You're screwed. But what is so incredibly powerful about attitude is your attitude is what drives your behavior. And one attitude can drive many behaviors. Think about that. Think about that power. And your behavior is what determines the consequences or outcomes of your life. That's A times B equals C. And that formula is so simple and so powerful. I've used it every day of my life for years. It's why I believe I'm still on top of the world class. I'm one of, you know, doing so well as a speaker. And it fascinates me because I ask my audience every time I say, when you hear about a potential life-changing formula like this, do you ignore it? Are you interested or are you committed? If you ignore it, you don't know what you don't know. If you're interested, you might try it. You might employ it. Or you might tell yourself a story about why it doesn't work. If you're committed, you just do it. And that's the rock star attitude. I love it. I, so see I am committed. You, I see why she calls you Disneyland. Uh, well, <laughs> thank you. 
happiest place on earth. Well, thank you for sharing the formula for the Rockstar Attitude. If people want to know more about you, Mark Schulman, where do they go? You can email me directly. My own private email is mark at markshulman.com. If you could spell Schulman right, S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N, then you could find me. And I answer every email. Might take me a while, but I answer every email personally. It goes right to me. Beautiful. I'm happy to be of service. And then my, you know, my, my Twitter and my Instagram is at MarkyPlanet, M-A-R-K-Y-P-L-A-N-E-T. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And I love when we step outside of the speaking industry here on the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. And uh, for those of you who are listening in, let us know if you've appreciated this. Leave us a comment, leave us a rating, a review. And with that, we will say, see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Bye, everybody. Great to meet you virtually. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next-step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.